0: Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Kevin Vanderput. What a time of worship. It's great to be um, together, to be able to worship together. I don't know where you are, whether you've been worshiping from your bed or your living room, but wherever you have been, I think it has been powerful. Um, My name is Kevin. If you don't know me, uh, I lead the congregation in Burgess Hill with my wife, Sharon. and it's a real pleasure to be with you. Now, we've been having a great time over the past few weeks uh, looking at uh, different things. But last week, Pastor Clive delivered a brilliant message and he touched upon a number of things, but three really stood out to me. Uh, And he mentioned, I'll mention them right now. Uh, He mentioned one, tikkun olam, those two words that meant repairing, restoring the world to its original intention, to what God wanted it to be. And that really stood out to me. Then he touched upon, well, what does our Monday to Saturday look like as a church, as people of God? And then he finished with this question that said, what would happen if there was no church on a Sunday? Now that's quite a question, isn't it? So those things really stood out to me and we're going to hopefully build on that today and just, uh, just go forward in what God has been saying to us as a church. Now, one other thing that was mentioned last week was change. And I don't know about you, but I have like kind of a love-hate relationship with change, really. Um, I'd like to think that I'm a simple man. My wife might disagree, but I'd like to think I'm a simple man. See, I eat the same breakfast every single day. That doesn't bother me. In fact, since we've moved house, In June, I've been eating pretty much the same lunch as well every single day. And and that's fine by me. I enjoy that. I never change shower gel, right? (laughs) And actually, we've noticed over the past few months unboxing stuff and things in our house that we've accumulated quite a few like shower gel products, things, you know, the ones that people buy you in packs for Christmas that you never end up using. Maybe that's just me, but I never end up using them. And we came to the conclusion that it would be better for me to start using them Then buying more of what I usually use just so we lessen the stock of what's in the house. So I changed shower gel and it was a big morning for me. (laughs) So that aside, I know that change is necessary, right? The Bible tells us that we are to be changed into God's likeness, right? So that tells me that change is necessary, even though I might struggle with it sometimes. And I think that we realize now, and Pastor Kyle is mentioning that the church, the church with a big C, has been going through a season of change, of transformation. And it can be off putting, right? Suddenly we're not going anywhere on Sundays. Uh, suddenly our Christian life it looks very different. But you know what? I believe that God wants to speak to each and every one of us today who we are about who we are as a collective, but who you are as part of that collective, as part of the church. All right, so enough with the introduction. I want us to look at a passage today and it's quite long. So I would love for you to actually grab your Bible. I know the words will appear on the screen, but if you don't have your Bible on you, go and find it wherever it is right now. We're going to look at a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll start as verse 12 and we'll go to the end of the chapter. So since it's really, well, it's quite long, we'll just uh, read it together. So I'll wait for you. Let me know if you're there in the chat section. Just let me know when you got it. I'll wait for you. We'll introduce some like elevator music right now while we wait. Okay, my elevator music sucks. Hopefully someone's going to get there fast. Um, Right, someone's there. Cool. So let's read together. 1 Corinthians. Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ for we were all baptized one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made of one part, but of many parts. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. See the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker weaker, are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable, we treat with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put together the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it so that there should be no division in the body, but as this part should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. So the church in the Bible is described in many ways. There are analogies that go on through the Word, but this is one of the most well-known that we are the body of Christ. And as a body, we are made of many parts. So let's make one thing clear off the bat. We are all part of the body. That means that every single one of you watching right now, you can include yourself in what I'm talking about. You are part of the body of Christ. Verse 27 says, now you are part of the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. So there you go. Now you could just brush over that and say, Kevin, that's cool. I'm part of the body of Christ. Let's move on, shall we? But actually, I think it's important that we look and realize what that really means. One of the things that God said to me over the past few months is this. I was watching this um, musical on Disney Plus called Hamilton. And if you have three hours to spare, go get yourself a free trial and watch it. It's really good. But in that uh, musical, at one point as one of the main characters comes on and sings that song. And the chorus go, I've taken myself out of the narrative. And as the person was singing that, I just felt God was saying, hey, this is what's happening in the body. Some are have taken themselves out of the narrative. If you feel like that, I want to speak to you this morning. There might be a sense of being lost, of lacking purpose in this season. You might even be asking the question, well, well, if church isn't happening on Sunday, if I'm not going there to serve, if I'm not having fellowship with the people on Sunday, my conversations I'm so used to, if I'm not sitting in my specific spot in church, then am I even a Christian? How is this all working? But see, as the passage we just read, we see that every part of the body is needed to work. So I want to tell you, you are a Christian and you are a part of this body God has placed the part of the body every one of them verse 18 says just as he wanted them to be and later on we see this word indispensable see as a body we need you to function properly as a church we need every part of the church to take part and play their part and be efficient to for the body to be efficient So God has something He wants to release through you in this season. He has purpose for you. And the fact that we don't meet on a Sunday physically won't change any of that. See, I've believed that through the change that we are all going through, God wants to release purpose afresh in your life. The word says that without without vision, my people perish. Well, God wants to birth fresh vision for your life, for your environment, for your world. You are part of God's plan and to work, for, to work out that plan for the body to work properly, you need to fulfill your part in it. And you know what's awesome? At the end of this um, musical that I was watching, the same character comes back on and it's like one of the last few songs and she sings the chorus again and you think it's gonna be the same thing. And she says, I've put myself back in the narrative. There are things that need to be written through you in this season. Everyone is part of God's narrative. So now that we know, I've I've hammered it down, we are all part of this body, we can go a step further and see that actually when you look at the analogy of the body, every part exists to serve the other, right? So without the arm, the hand cannot reach anything, right? Or without the leg, the foot can't go anywhere. So every part is in service to the other. But then what is the body in service? What what is it there for? What is it in service to? Well, the body exists to be in service to the world. And there's an amazing story in the Word that illustrates that. And I want us to look at it today. It's found in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. So I'm gonna leave you a second to get there again. Just flick through your Bible, even if the words appear on the screen, let's read it together. It's a well-known passage. But yeah, we're gonna pick some things out of it. It's gonna be good. On one occasion, it says, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Don't know if that's a good idea. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? Well, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he took pity on him. Oh, no, sorry, I skipped something. The Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on by the other side. But a Samaritan, sorry, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, well, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told them, go and do likewise. Now the Samaritan's story is amazing simply because of the characters that were chosen in that story. See we know that Samaritans were despised by Jews because they they came from Jews getting together with Gentiles while they were in exile. And so they're not the real deal. So they were despised by Jews. And so by telling this story Jesus is trying to show that, trying to bring everyone together, right? But when I look at this story on today in today's terms or with a with a modern spin on it really I think that God is showing us as well that anyone can do it. See, it wasn't the priest that stopped and did what was right. It wasn't even the Levite who had then helped the priest do the task. It wasn't him who... Uh, stopped and did what was right it was the Samaritan the least of them did what was right and that tells me today that the least of us can do what we have to do that everyone is able to take a part in it so we know that we are part of the body and you think okay if I'm part of the body I obviously have something to do while I'm part of that body and you might not know what that is yet but I'm here to tell you my second point that you can do it anyone can do it whatever it is we we can do it. And look at the last verse, Jesus told them, go and do likewise. So we know Jesus tells us, hey, this is what you got to do. Go and do exactly what the Samaritan did. So we are called to serve the world as a body, to see its transformation. See, any of us are on our way somewhere daily, right? The person was traveling on that road, the Samaritan was traveling on that road. We are traveling per se every day somewhere. Pastor Clive was asking, what does our Monday to Saturday look like? Well, this is what it looks like. The Samaritan, as he was traveling, came to where the man was and he saw him. In this season, we need to be traveling with our eyes opened to the world. We need to see the needs that are around us. Now, don't go looking at every street corner for some person wounded on the side and say, hey, Kevin told me but there are people wounded everywhere, all around us. They might not be wounded physically, but I tell you, they are mentally, spiritually, things are going on in people's lives, especially at this time. So let's stop. Let's bandage those wounds and take care of people. See, we use the word discipleship a lot. I believe that bandaging those wounds, I hope I'm pronouncing bandaging right. You know, I'm not from England, so I get a pass for those kind of things. But discipleship is coming alongside people and taking care of them. I think sometimes as Christians, we tend to overthink things a little bit. Like I need something holy and mighty to say to someone before I even go say hi to them. I need a word from the Lord before I move on. And that can, although that is great when it happens, it can hinder us from taking the first step sometimes. Do you know that Jesus left his audience wondering what he meant. Sometimes there are verses in the word that says, and they were left wondering what Jesus meant, or they did not understand what Jesus said. But you know what? Whoever was there saw what Jesus did. They saw Jesus when he took time with people, healed them, bandaged their wounds. They saw when he was healing them physically, but he was healing people also mentally, spiritually when he took a stand for the prostitute, when he fed the 5,000, he was taking care of people when he was eating with the wrong kind of people. He was taking time for people. And that's something every one of us can do. There's something that happened recently that highlighted that to me. See, since we've moved to our area where our house is now, we've moved in June, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It's amazing. I've been thinking okay we've been quite good neighbors right I've been telling myself I've been a good neighbor I'm saying hi to everyone in the street when they cross with their car I'm like waving I don't even know if they actually recognize me but I'm waving when the ball comes into our garden I throw it back yeah the kids are playing there's a ball every day in our garden I'm exaggerating I don't collect them all see how many I can gather I send them back so I was like to believe uh, we've been good neighbors But somehow things have been staying on like a surface level. And that's been telling me I'm overthinking things here. And I've been asking God throughout the month of August, like, how can I take the next step, Lord? How can I disciple, witness, show your love to my neighbors? And we went to Belgium over the month of August to visit my family. And as we were there, the government made this announcement that said that anyone coming back from Belgium will have to isolate for 14 days. And a few hours after the announcement, I got this text from my next door neighbor. And he said, hey buddy, uh, I've just seen the announcement, really sucks for you, but um, we want to help. So you probably won't be able to get food while you're back because you can not go to the shops. Your fridge's probably empty because you've just left for two weeks and you probably won't be able to get a deliveries because they're hard to get right at the moment anyways. Let us go grocery shopping for you. Send us a list of what you need and it will be at your door when you get back. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, sure. So I sent him a few things. I didn't want to overdo it. So I didn't send a list of a hundred things, just a few things. And uh, fair enough, we got back on a Sunday and uh, a few hours after we arrived, I hear a knock on the door and I opened the door and the bags are there. And I see him about to go into his house and I say, hey, how much do I owe you? And he said, oh, don't worry about it, it's fine. You'll just get the first beer next time we hang out or first time we hang out really. And I was like, brilliant. And he he went into his house and I just stood there. And I thought, what just happened? My neighbor flipped the script on me. Like I'm the one who's supposed to show you the love of Jesus. I'm the one who's supposed to you know, do that sort of thing, do selfless acts of love to the world. And here's my neighbor and he's like, no, I'm going to do it to you. And it left me wondering, hey, God, I think I've been overthinking things a little bit. There are opportunities all around us every single day, opportunities we can grab to speak into people's life, to do something nice for them, to show God's love to everyone. And I want to tell you, you have something to give this morning. If, if you've heard this and you're like, okay, I'm part of the body. Okay, okay, that works. Okay, we are called to serve the world. And I see that through the parable of the Samaritan. And that's great. That's great. But, and everyone can do it. Okay, you're telling me that, Kevin. Okay, that's great. That's great. Okay, how do I do it? What do I have to give? I'm telling you, you have exactly what you need to be able to give to someone what they need. The reality might be that for far too long we've associated church, not only with a building, but maybe like a club we hold a season ticket to. We just come and we receive and we praise together and that's important and that's needed, but there is a so that, so that we can go give it to the world. And each of you, has something to give. Did you notice in our story of the Samaritan, how he had bandage with him for the wounds? He had oil and wine to pour on the man that was hurt. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't travel everywhere I go with oil and wine. Maybe it's just me, maybe you have a bottle of wine stashed in your backpack wherever you go, I don't know. There were different times then and he was travelling on a long road. The road from Jerusalem to Jericho is mostly desert. It's, it's abandoned, it's rough terrain. So, you know, maybe he was getting ready just in case something happened to himself, maybe. But the bottom line is, and what we can take out of that bit is that he had what he needed when the moment come to be able to help that person. So you might not know what it is you have at this point, but every one of us has a deposit from the Holy Spirit inside of us. And I believe believe me when I tell you that when you are put into a situation, the right words will come out because God will honour you stepping out, and the Holy Spirit is inside of us to make sure that God is honoured in those situations. Right? We want to see His kingdom advance, so we got to take a step forward. I remember one time we were running an alpha with Sharon in Boisier and one lady brought a friend along. The friend was not a Christian. And uh, we had a great time and Sharon was leading that group with the ladies. And over the weeks, Maybe, maybe I don't know what the person was, what the person thought, but maybe the person thought, well, I brought my friend and that's my job done. You know, now it's up to Sharon to make the stuff happen. (laughs) And over the weeks, Sharon gave opportunities to actually lead the conversation, to be answering questions. And so it became something where that person that had invited her friend somehow got more and more involved. And it got to the point a few weeks down the road where the, the friend that was brought thought, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus. Now, Everyone would have expected Sharon to actually pray for the, for, the, for the lady. But Sharon said, hey, why don't you pray for your friend? Why don't you lead her to Christ? And suddenly that person was praying with her friend to lead that person to Christ. It was a beautiful moment. That person had been flourishing, had her questions answered and suddenly was part of God's kingdom. Now that person that brought the friend to Alpha might I don't know if I can answer all those questions. I don't know if I can really be part of, I don't know if I can lead her to Christ and actually pray. I don't know. But when she stepped out and had the opportunity and did it and fulfilled what was in front of her, hey, the friend ended up giving their life to Jesus. My bottom line is you all have something that you are carrying that God wants to use to transform someone's life around you. There's a verse in the word that says in 2nd Corinthians, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all time, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, sometimes we can just see this verse and we stop before the coma and you say, oh, it's about all that I need. So, Yes, God is gonna make sure I'm healthy. God is gonna provide when it's needed. God is gonna be faithful to me. But after the coma comes the work so that you will abound in every good work. So that tells me, hey, as Christians, when we go to work, when we go to fulfill that mission that God has given us, God will make sure we have all that we need at all times so that we can be a light to the world. I believe that God is saying right now, I need my children, all of my children to realise that they are needed in this season, that they are needed on this mission. You are all a functioning part of this body. We're not a church that has a bench, Some Premier League team right now have a bench problem. We're not one of those teams. As a team, we are all taking part in this this offensive strategy we have to tikkun olam, to transform the world, to return the world to its original purpose, to see God break through in the world, to show the love that we have been shown to others. Now there is something though, because it all sounds great, right? Oh, Kevin, yeah. We can do it. We can do it. And you can. But there is something, though, to notice. As you read the story of the Samaritan, there is one part that makes this last point stand out more than others. Verse 35, you can read it with me. It says, The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. It cost something to the Samaritan to take care of that, peop- of that person, to come alongside that person. It cost the Samaritan something. Now, it cost the Samaritan something way before he took the two denarii out. It cost him time, right? Wherever he was going, he was probably late by then, yeah? It cost him physically, as I said, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho is a tough road. He was probably tired and after taking care of a person, lifting them up on the donkey, getting them to the inn, he was probably very tired. It cost him physically and it cost him financially. He took out two denarii and he made this promise. I will pay for whatever else is needed when I return. It cost him, but he made a difference in someone's life. He came alongside the hurt and broken. If we are going to be the church to the world, it's going to cost us something. Something more than making time to come and be together on a Sunday to make time for meetings. It's going to take each of us to live intentionally, ready to serve, ready to take on things. Things that might be uncomfortable, things that might cost us financially even. The things that are definitely worth it. Let's not just go to church. Let's be the church to the world. Let's be everything that God has called us to be to to the world. So yes, now change is upon us. Pastor Clive mentioned it last week. And we might not like it at first. I don't think that my new shower gel smells particularly good at the moment. But the walls of the church have been broken down. And we are not in a building. And that is a good thing. Because God is bringing our attention to other things. Like Pastor Clive said last week, the Monday to Saturday, this grassroots movement of the Holy Spirit, everyone involved, everyone moving forward as one body. We had this word in January, all hands on deck. Hey, I'm basically repeating exactly the same thing. Because God wants us to understand that now is not the time to fall back, to just retreat. It's time to be on the offensive. It's time for all of us together as a church to rise up and be intentional with the way we live. Somebody said something this, this week, earlier in the week, in one of our meetings that we had. And it really stood out to me. He said that when the Israelites were facing challenges, when they had been defeated they returned to the tent. They defaulted to what was familiar, to focus on what they knew and who was directly around them. I'm here to tell you there's more in this season than that for us as a church. Let's not all just stay in our tent. It's time to let go if there are any lies that you have been believing of like, I have nothing to give. I don't know what my part to play in this is. It's time to let go of those lies and put yourself back in the narrative. We're part of the biggest rescue mission in the world. Do you understand that James Bond and Ethan Hunt have nothing on you? Biggest rescue mission in the world but it's a team effort and for it to work out every part of the body needs to play their part so i want to encourage you have your eyes open be ready to bind up wounds to take on people to spend time with them and i'm speaking to myself as well I need to call up my neighbor and be like, hey, you know how you said about that beer? Well, I don't drink beer, but I can still go out and have a drink with you and spend time with him. It's going to cost me in all sorts of ways, but I'm investing in a relationship so I can believe and move forward in seeing his life transform and him come to know Christ. The reward is so worth it. In fact, there's one last passage I want us to read in the Bible today. It's found, I didn't write it, but I believe it's Matthew 25, verse um, verse 31. It says, but when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as shepherds separate sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats as his left. at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you for the crea- from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked. And you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you, and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick? Or in prison and visit you, then the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to the least of me, of these brothers, sorry, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. It's all laid out right there. That reward, everything that omission leads to. When you did it, to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. I just want us to pray right now. And I'm going to pray because out loud because otherwise it's an awkward silence here. But I want you to work through what you have heard this morning. As I said, there might be lies that you need to let go of that somehow you have nothing to offer or you don't know what your part is to play in the body. Let God show you what that part is. Let, sh- let him show you what it looks like for you. Because I believe there are very practical outworkings to what God has said to us today. In fact, there's a verse in Psalm 25 that says, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Saviour. My hope is in you all day long. God wants to show you what those paths look like. He wants to show you his ways and lead you into them. And maybe you've known all these things, but you've simply taken yourself out of that narrative a bit. You've, You've been focused on your tent because we've been facing challenging times. It's time to get out of that tent. It's time to be back in the narrative. It's time to take part in this offensive that Pastor Clive has been talking about, the tikkun olam. Pastor Collins spoke about the love that we have been shown for three weeks. We have been shown that love so that we can go and show it to others. So let's just pray, shall we? Father, I thank you for you are faithful in every way. You are good, Lord. You are so good to each of us. Father, I thank you that you have left us here on earth. You have placed us here on earth with a mandate. Say, go and make disciples of all the world, baptizing them. Father, I thank you that you have shown us that as a body, we are all part of that body. I thank you that everyone today is part of that body. Just take authority over any of those lies that might be there. Father, right now we break off any lie of the enemy that says, I don't have a part to play in it. I don't have anything to bring forward. How am I going to make change in people's lives? Father, I thank You that You have placed us here with the Holy Spirit, with authority to change circumstances around us, to pray, to see Your life released into others. Lord, I thank You that you have given us purpose, that each of us in this season have purpose. And Lord, I pray show us Show me, show us what those opportunities are. There are opportunities all around us. Let us have our eyes open just like the Samaritan saw the person that was hurt. Father, let us see the world around us. Let us not ignore it. Let's interact. Let's engage. Let's live intentionally. Father, help us to be ready when the times come to sacrifice to put our needs and our life aside so that someone else would come to know you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for all the opportunities that are already there, like the Alpha Course for people to bring their friends on. Father, we thank you for all those people on the Alpha Course right now that they will all come to know you because this is what being the church is about, extending your kingdom, releasing your word in the world. Father, it's about tikkun olam, the restoration of what you intended the world to be like. Father, I thank you that you have purpose for each of us in this season and what it looks like, it looks like, us taking part in transforming the world. Father, I thank you for what you have been speaking, what you have been doing in your church with a big C in this season. Father, even though the circumstances around us might be hard, I realize that it's a privilege to live in the season that we live in. I thank you, Father, that you have been speaking about this gra- grassroot move of the Spirit. Father, about what you want to release in the nation and other nations in our 25 mile radius. Father, we humble ourselves right now. We say, hey, sorry if We have only fulfilled part of it. We've only been going to church. We haven't been being the church. Father, I thank you that right now you are showing to every household, to every person watching, wherever they may be, you are showing them what being the church to their world looks like. And Father, I thank you that we don't have to be afraid, that we don't have to worry, that we don't have to listen to any lie because just like the Samaritan was equipped for what he was going to do, you have equipped us to go into the world. You have equipped us with everything that we need so that we will abound in every good work. Father, I thank you that success goes wherever we go, that success follow because if you are for us, nothing can be against us. Father, I thank you that as a voice to the world, we will succeed. I thank you, Lord, that as a result of that, your kingdom will expand. And as a result of that, my neighbours will come to know you. Our neighbours, all of us will come to know you, Father, and we will see the transformation of our 25 mile radius of this nation, of the world. We praise you, Father, we exalt you.